The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Keeper Cup Podcast. I'm Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, leave us ratings and reviews, follow us on Twitter at Keeper Cut. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Young. You can find Pete at Pete B Baseball. And we are into August. It's August 11th right now as we're recording. By the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be like the 14th or something like that. It'll be Monday. Whatever Monday is, it'll be that day. And we are. We're coming up on trade deadline season, and today I think we're going to talk a little bit mostly about auto new trade deadline, but I don't know about you, Pete. All of my trade deadlines are coming up, right? I think our, our deadline is coming up in our listener leagues on fan tracks. It's coming up for me in my CBS league. Like It's deadline season. Time to get those deals done. Yeah, it really is. I used to set... I, I commission like six different leagues on ESPN, and I used to set the deadline for the MLB trade deadline, but for fantasy, it's, it just feels too early. So pushed it back this year to this upcoming, it's weird on ESPN, you have to set it to like a Tuesday or something. And I know Ot news at the end of the month, but it's nice that you can still make trades, still do deals this late into the season. It's always fun right now because I'm just like, I'm looking at all my teams. I'm trying to decide what to do. I, I have a team in Auto New League 32. My team right now is in fifth place, I think. Start of the day in fifth place, still in fifth place. I don't know. It's like I, I look at this team and I'm certainly within striking distance of the top three when you look at total points. But by points per game and points per inning, I'm borderline. There's There are three teams that are definitively better than me, but I, I should be able to get up to fourth. And if any of those games like miss their games cap, or any of those teams miss their games cap or innings cap, I have a shot to catch them. And it's a it's a prize league. So there's there's money on the line if I can get into that top three. But I also feel like it's a long shot. So I went to the trade block in this league and this is you know, I'm curious if you've done this before, if you found it works. I went on the trade block and I put on the trade block my $25 Brandon Woodruff, my $45 Jose Ramirez, my $20 Luis Robert, $10 Ryan Mountcastle, $14 Yasmani Grandal, as well as this league has a, a minor league portion. And so I had a, I have some minor league stashes, Matt Allen, John, John Kenzie Knoll, and I had Jordan Lawler on there. I traded him. We'll talk about that in a minute. I put Taj Bradley on there, a cheap Andrew Haney, a cheap Reed Detmers, cheap Isaac Paredes, Nick Prado is on there. I basically put all of my, all the guys I would trade if I were buying and all the guys I would trade if I were selling. 
And then in my wanted, I said, if I'm selling, I want young, cheap guys, but I'm open to any keepers. And if I'm buying, I need a stud outfield or arms. And then I was like, I'll just see what the market brings. And if the market, like, if people are begging me to sell, then I'll sell. And if people are like, I'm desperately trying to offload this overpriced guy and I can't get rid of him, I'll, I'll take anything for him, then I'll buy and I'll just sort of see where that nets me. So far in that league, I have made two trades. And they have done literally nothing to help me decide if I'm buying or selling. <laughs> Sound like the Red Sox. Yeah, uh, it's a little bit like that, I guess. So one of those trades is, well, I'll talk about I think what I think is the less interesting one first, and then we can get then we get into the more interesting one because I'm I'm interested for your take on this other one because I don't think you're going to like it. We talked about it on Twitter a bit, you, me, and Matt Heckman, and I ended up with something that I like, but I don't know if you do. So, but I traded. I, I mentioned this league has a minor league portion. For people who play auto new, there's a team, you know, leagues will sometimes create this sort of manual five MILB or 15 MILB where you have a minor league set of guys who are on your roster, but don't count towards your 40 man roster and you don't pay them. So they don't cost anything and you can just sort of sit on them until they debut. This league has that. I had Jordan Lawler on there. Jordan Lawler is a fun prospect, but he is forever away. And somebody offered me. A $1 Kyle Muller and a $3 Ken Waldachuk for my Lawler. So now the trade off here is Lawler is a better prospect than either of those guys. By far. By far. And he's free. He doesn't take up a roster spot. Fine. However, he is also very far away. Those guys should help me maybe even down the stretch this year. Like they, they, they've got me. They are closer to helping me than Lawler is for sure. And because of the way the the rules work in this league, you can have, you can trade for like as many of these minor league guys as you want, but you can only draft up to five of them. So I can replace Lawler. Now I can't replace him until February or something when we do our minor league portion of our draft, but still. So for me, it was like, fine, whatever. But like, that's not a buy trade or a sell trade. Like it's, it's. It's moving around my prospects, right? The other trade I made is my $5 Aaron Ashby for his $2 Alec Burleson and $1 Juan Yepes. And again, like in terms of this year, Yepes should is on rehab assignment now, I think. He should be back like any day now. So I'm I'm basically swapping a pitcher for a hitter. And then I got Burleson who's has a shot to be up this year. If not, he'll certainly get a shot next year. And again, I don't think that's I don't think it's a buy or a sell. I mean, Ashby, as much as I like him long-term, has not been pitching great this year. And so, yeah, I I don't know. But I'm very curious for your take on this Ashby for Yepes and Burleson deal. Yeah, sure. I mean, I... It, essentially, it's what it's what you said, right? Like, like for this year, it's Ashby for Yepes. You're swapping a pitcher for a hitter. Ashby is just like if you if you're trying to contend, he's just been so inconsistent. I'm I'm really scared to trot him out there now. Yepes was, if I remember correctly, slumping pretty severely before he ended up on the IL. He was he was struggling, but he he was for sure. I think long term, I prefer Ashby's upside. Obviously, this conversation unfolded because of the CSW thing that that I post. I mean, he just. He when he's on, he's absolutely dominant. He gets great movement on his pitches. He throws a lot of pitches, and and obviously we can give Milwaukee credit. They seem to be pretty good at churning out a starting pitchers. But I don't know. I like Yepes, and you said Yepes is only a dollar. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're saving four bucks next year. That'll, you know, a $3 Yepes versus a $7 Ashby. If Ashby continues to be this inconsistent and occasionally injured and, and you, he's a borderline keeper at the end of the year, I think Yepes next year would be a safe keeper at $3 going to be, be going on five. So I, I don't know. There's also there's all sorts of angles to look at this. Do you need hitting in this league? So in a weird way, I don't know what I need in this league. So let me, let me talk a little bit about my, my roster. On the one hand, my, my, there are parts of my offense that seem pretty strong. So I've got Jose Ramirez at third base. I've got Matt Olson at first base. I've got Pete Alonso at first base. And Ramirez is $45, but Alonso and Olson are $23 and $24. Like those guys are both keepers. So I have my, out, my, my first base and my util basically locked up. In the outfield, I've got a $20 Luis Robert. I've got a $1 Michael Harris, who's been wonderful for me. I've got a $5 Anthony Santander, who's been excellent. I've got a $14 Josh Bell, although he has not played outfield this year. So next year, that's actually interesting. Next year, I'm going to have a $14 or $16 Bell, a $25 Olsen, and a $26 Alonzo, all playing first base only. Hmm, that doesn't work. No, I'm going to have to figure that out. But I can figure that out in the offseason. Those guys are eminently tradable. My middle infield, I've got Brandon Lau, Willie Adamas, and Andres Jimenez. I've also got Itak Paredes. I've got, I just picked up Seth Brown, who I really like right now. I've got Nick Prado. I've got Jonathan India, who's been better lately. I've got Jorge Polanco who's at $6, and he's been excellent. I've got O'Neill Cruz, who I still believe in long term. But then my pitching in this league, then this is where I felt like I could move Ashby. So in the auction, our auction for this league th- this year happened after DeGrom got hurt. And so we knew DeGrom was going to miss a bunch of time. So I got a $30 Jacob DeGrom. Oh, wow. Now, he is helping me a lot right now. He is also going to eat up all of my arbitration dollars in this league. And even if he gets like $20 in arbitration, he might still be a keeper. But even if he's not, and everyone else just stays where they are, I have a $5 Shane McClanahan, a $25 Brandon Woodruff, a $7 Framber Valdez, a $5 Logan Gilbert, $5 Reed Detmers, who I'm I'm very intrigued by. Got a $6 Andrew Haney. And then I have a stacked minor league rotation, at least for now. We'll see what I do in the offseason. But I have a $4 Daniel Espino, a $3 Roanzi Contreras, a $2 Taj Bradley, a $3 Ken Waldachuk, and a $1 Kyle Muller. Wow. So that is a... That is a very fun set of guys coming. And so, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got some improvements I need to make for next year, for sure. The other thing that is at least somewhat intriguing to me right now is I right now only have $343 in total salary on this team, not including cap penalties. So when I clear off some dead weight, I should have that core plus enough to go make a splash at the auction. And that's where to me it was like, you know what? If I if if Yepes or Brothers can come up and establish themselves as like good outfield depth for me, then I go into next year and I've got Luis Robert, I've got those two, I've got you know, maybe Mountcastle. He's sort of borderline for me. He'll be at twelve dollars. He's probably maybe he's gone. I'm hoping Nick Prado steps up and can be a keeper at six dollars for me. Anthony Santander at seven dollars is for sure a keeper. Michael Harris at three dollars for sure. I picked up Peyton Burdick, who I'm interested in. So I've got some some pieces to move around, but I do need offense, is what it comes down to, right? That rotation, if it stays together, and it should, and if a couple of those guys get promoted, which they should, that rotation is is set and ready to go. 
And I don't even think, like you said, DeGrom's going to eat up all your arbitration dollars. I, I don't, I, like, Framber Valdez, this is not to discredit Dylan Cease, who maybe should win it, but Framber Valdez and Shane McClanahan are in a not just two-person duel, but they're in a duel for the American League Cy Young, and to have them single digits, like, I'd be happy no matter where the arbitrate. Like, you know what? If yeah. you want to blow up DeGrom, fine. I, I'll keep my incredibly cheap Shane McClanahan and Framber Valdez. Like, it's kind of a no-lose situation for you, and having all that pitching depth and not only having it, but having it cheap does bring a lot of sense to the, the Ashby swap. I, I still like in a vacuum prefer Ashby's upside, but I do like Yepes. And you know, you, you brought up uh, Burleson was the other part of that deal. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that much, but I'm looking at the strikeout rate in triple a, and I'm curious, what's the, what's the format of this league that you got him in? It's a Fangraphs points league. Okay, so it doesn't really matter, but he like never strikes out. I mean, he's no, a- he doesn't, and he's he's flashed good walk rates. His walk rate in AAA this year is only six point one percent, which isn't super great, right? It, it, it's like a six point one percent walk rate with a fourteen point seven percent strikeout rate is very good plate discipline, but it points to good plate discipline from a guy who is on the aggressive side, right? He's right. he's going after the ball and he's making contact at a high rate. And so he's not striking out because he's putting the ball in play. And I I tend to be a guy who prefers walk rates. But if you can make contact, like, you know, the grades on his hit tool are more okay than great. But it seems to me that he's got a pretty good hit tool, given he's succeeding with with, with what's a pretty high chase rate. And he has a high chase rate. And that is... That is the big risk with him is the chase rate is is up there. Yeah, it it, I, it has to be. But I, two things about that. I worry about that when he gets to the next level because uh, I feel like I say it every episode now, but like prospects since 2020 have like all busted unless they're Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt Jr. And even Bobby Witt Jr., even though the underlying numbers are great, is hitting like what, like 240? So that that part concerns me if you're if you're chasing and you're swinging for contact well once you get to the major leagues it only gets that much more difficult i also three the see the 345 babbit and like he's putting a ton of balls in play and he's coming out with a 345 babbit like that something is off there like um yeah. he's 30 he's 30 grade speed so i don't know i i don't know enough about this guy to to say one way or another it's just it's looking at his profile it's super odd it, it is definitely an odd profile i think the thing that that i like is he hits the ball pretty hard i believe and i'm trying to pull up some some information to get a better sense of that because so his median exit velocity is 92.8. His average is 88.3. Now, minor league exit velocity data is spotty at times. He has about a 30% hard hit rate. So he's it's not like elite, elite exit velocities, but it's solid. He hits a lot of line drives. He's running a 24% line drive rate in the minors this year. So that's, that is a, another piece of of the BAPIP puzzle for sure. There is risk in this profile for sure. And I I think the way this deal sort of nets out for me is there's things I really like about Yepes. There's things I really like about Burleson. And if either one of them pans out, I think I'll be fine with this deal. If they both pan out, I'm going to win this deal. If neither of them pan out, then I probably lose the deal because I think there's like the, the floor on the floor on Ashby is still a useful pitcher. 
the floor on both Burleson and Yepes is, you know, I've cut them by June of next year. That's not that's not in the realm of outcomes for Ashby. I don't think it's it's that's definitely fair. within the realm of potential outcomes for for Burleson for Yepes. Honestly, I think the hit tool is good enough that like for how cheap he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be a cut for you next year. I mean, it's pretty safe that he's going to be three dollars next year. Right? He's not going to take any kind of hit in arbitration, and so not, three not with all one. those pitchers in the way. Exactly. Like, so, no, no one's putting dollar money on him when McClanahan, Framber, Degrom are the prices they are. So right, it's a great point. And like Yepes is one of those guys who did not get a lot of hype in fantasy baseball, even though he should have, right? Because as a prospect, he doesn't look that great. Like he's not going to get a lot of write-ups and prospect reports because he's strictly a bat, and that's it. But in fantasy, that'll play, especially if he's going to maintain eligibility outside of just DH. So at $3, like I, I'm interested in Yepes. I, I traded for Yepes somewhere. I'm going to have to find it, but I'm, I'm in on him as well. So I, I like the idea of adding Burleson. You deserve it, right? If you're going to give up the player that I think has the higher ceiling, then you should get something equipped to it. And I, Burleson's an interesting profile, like you said. I'm going to have to do a little bit more research into him. Let's talk about a couple of trades that you and I made with each other because we made oh, yes, right. we made two trades in auto new leagues this week. The first one in the Keeper Cut Listener League I am I'm in second place. I think it is optimistic to think I can catch the team in first. Black belt and training is at 85 points. I am at 72 as we record. I, I'm pulling up the standings here and like I'm already in first in runs. I could make up some points in home runs, but I'm 10 behind the teams ahead of me. I'm first and on base. I can make up ground in slugging. I'm going to need to find a way to make up pitching points. I mean, that, that is my only path forward, and I don't really have a super clean path to making up enough points to catch Black Belt. So, of course, because I need <laughs> pitching, <laughs> I traded for a third baseman. Now, I also needed a third baseman. I had been running out Alec Bohm and Key Brian Hayes. Bohm has actually been much better lately, and maybe I could have stuck with him. But there was a third baseman who is better than that on the market. And so you and I swapped your $34, sorry, your $34 Manny Machado for my $2 Miguel Vargas and my $1 Derek Hall. Talk about that a little from your perspective, then I can tell you what I was thinking. Yeah, it was it was time to bite the bullet and sell. Um I I feel like I, I had a pretty good season this year in this league. If you remember, the the auction calculator had me as like dead last by like 4,000 points. So to start selling when I was constantly, I think, fluttering between fifth and sixth, I'm, I'm okay with. But there's no way for me to catch anything to finish in like the top three. I'm as dead center as it kind of gets in this league. I just had the standings up in front of me. But basically, first place team has like 82 points and I'm at 47. So there, there's no way I'm if you're not catching them at second. I'm not catching him at sixth. So it was time to sell. And I'm big on Vargas. He's he's dominated basically at every level he's been to. He plays a premium position. He's coming up in an organization that continues to churn out elite prospects. It's just a great bat. I mean, it's an OPS consistently over 800. And, you know, he got his first taste. First game looked great. Hit a ball that I think was a was a home run in some fields. Ends up stealing third base because he's a boss. And so $2, it just kind of felt like a no-brainer. And I was open to trading 
either Corey Seager or Manny Machado and then probably keeping the other because even though they're expensive, I feel like I still have them at pretty decent contracts. Um, And so it just happened that Machado was the one that I was going to end up dealing. And to also get Derek Hall was pretty good. I lagged behind in the offensive categories quite a bit in this league, especially once I lost Jazz. And and for whatever reason, I spent $12 on Javi Baez. That's a conversation for another day. Derek Hall, his average exit velocities are crazy. He's he's His max EV has been great. He's mashed eight homers since he's been called up. That's in a very short period of time. I don't expect him, though, to face lefties almost at all. It feels like the, the Phillies are kind of protecting him and only having him face righties. He has like, I don't know, nine plate appearances against lefties or maybe even less. But that's fine. It, it news obviously such a deep format for those of you that are listening and haven't played. You need to play, but it's 40 man rosters. So having a platoon guy for a dollar like Derek Hall, even three dollars next year, I felt pretty good about that. So to start the selling process always hurts. But it's good to to get in and bring in some young guys on cheap contracts. Not that Derek Hall's that young. He's, what, 27, I think? Yeah, but he's cheap. And if he is legit, like if he keeps this up for the next, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever's left in the season, yeah. like he's going to be a, a steal for you. The walk rate is what sucks. It's just four and a half. I need the guy to start taking some more walks. In theory, that will come with pitchers not wanting to challenge him yeah, anymore, right? Which, you know, we'll see. But... As hard as he's hitting the ball, he hasn't run crazy walk rates, but like since, you know, 2019 in AA, he had an 11.2% walk rate. Then he didn't play in 2020. 2021, he had an 11.7% walk rate in AAA. This year, he had a 9.5% walk rate in AAA. There is no reason to think that he won't bust that walk rate up to like 8%, something around there. Like it, it may not be 12%. But he should be able to bring it up. He also ran strikeout rates that were like 20% and they were trending down over time. Mm-hmm. He was at 25% in AA in 2019, 21.2% in 2021 in AA or in AAA, 20% this year in AAA. It's 26.8% this year in the majors. But like if he can bring that down as he has done over time and bring his walk rate up and continue to hit the ball with the the authority he is hitting the ball with. I mean, he has an almost a 20% barrel rate. He has a 50% hard hit rate. Like the he's smashing crazy. Yeah. So I, I really, I like him. I think it's a, I think it's a smart pickup for you. I, I think he probably is a platoon bat and that probably stays the case even next year, but that's fine. Right. For a $3 stud platoon first baseman, like, yeah, that that's, that's totally fine. We've seen um, elite production from, platoon first baseman that can hit for like Brandon Belt the last couple of years has been an incredibly valuable player despite being a platoon player so using that word can immediately I think get people to like turn off to certain players in fantasy but it should not always be the case yeah now the issue with this trade is really that I don't think Machado helps me that much in terms of chasing (laughs) down the leader as I said I I have a long way to go (laughs) and he can't right and he doesn't pitch and so I'm poking around though, and like I don't see a ton of pitching available. Like if you go to our trade block, the most interesting pitchers available on the trade block are on the trade block of the first and, and second place team. I'm tied for second place, so <laughs> the team in first has a $36 Woodruff, a $22 Robbie Ray on his block. The team in second has an $11 Tyler Molly, a $17 Pablo Lopez. I, like I don't know what to like. I don't know what to trade with them, and I talked to the team in first. We had a, a you know a quick exchange of of notes, and he was like, "I could make a starting pitcher available for hitter upgrade, 
And he was like interested in Josh Bell or Brandon Lau. And he said there might be others. But it's like, if I give him the bat he needs to improve just to get the arm I need to improve, like if we, if I were closer to him, then that's sort of a fun trade. Then you're like, okay, let's see which one of us is smarter about this. But like, he doesn't even have to win that trade. If it makes him, you know, 5% better and makes me 10% better, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> Like that doesn't do enough. So I, I, we ended up sort of like leaving it at that. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I need to poke around at some rosters and some guys who aren't on the block, but like the team in 12th place, their most expensive pitcher is an $11 Logan Gilbert, who I assume he doesn't want to trade. The team in 11th place has a $22 Joe Musgrove, a $16 Zach Allen, a $15 Mike Clevenger. Are any of those guys obvious trade candidates? And they're not on his block. The guys he has on his block are our first base are bats. So like I need to poke around and see maybe there's, maybe there's someone out there and then I have to decide is a pitcher really going to make the difference or not. So I don't know what I don't want to do in this league because it drives me crazy when people do this is I don't want to sell. It drives me a little crazy when teams are in like second place and are like, well, I can't catch the leader. I'm going to sell because it just, if I decide I'm selling, who's buying? Like why would somebody buy if the team in second is selling? So, you know, maybe I get one deal done with the team in first because maybe the team in first is like, all right, I'll make that one deal to just put the nail in your coffin and and cinch this up. But like, there's not a lot there. So, I don't know. Instead, what I'm really hoping for in this league is that somebody is like, I've got this pitcher who I'm not going to keep, who I'm willing to just give away for anything interesting because I don't want to spend a lot to buy because I think it's a long shot. But no one else is buying. There may be no buyers in this league. Yeah, you make such a good point there talking about how if you're in second place that like just philosophically you should not be selling. And it it really is interesting. It's something they talked about fantasy baseball on Fantasy Baseball Today, a podcast I listened to through CBS. And it's something that came up in actually one of my leagues, my home league that I talk about all the time. And you you know the rules, so I'm not going to repeat it. But we have very specific trade deadline rules regarding keepers and and like you can trade draft picks, but you can only trade a fourth through eighth round pick and a ninth through 13th round picks. So you can only trade two picks total and it has to, and it's only one from those two areas. Anyway, I, we can get into more detail. It's not the point. The team that is currently in fifth place and it's worth noting. This is a head-to-head categories league. This is not rotisserie. So it's not like, yeah, you're in fifth, but you have no chance at finishing in first. This team's in fifth. And we have six six teams make the playoffs. So he, he's in a playoff spot. He traded away Mookie Betts and Julio Urias for a first round pick. And he traded Cedric Mullins for Corbin Carroll. We only keep three. Like, if you listened to him, and if you look at our rules, and this is this is why we're going to have to make some adjustments. Again, conversation for another day. You kind of understand it. And at the time... He had Bryce Harper, who had been in the IL for a long time, and and the report just came out that he wasn't ready to have his pins taken out. But then like two days later, he got the pins taken out, you know, that that kind of deal. Mm. And with a 16-team league, you lose somebody like Bryce Harper, that, that can sink your squad. But like what? Like you, you could just also buy, you know, you could be the one trading a first round. And I say first round pick, it's really a fourth round pick, the first three rounds for keepers. It's besides the point. He got a fourth round pick. Right. So like, I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts there? Like you can look at it and say like, okay, I get what you sold, but it's a head to head categories league, and you're currently in a playoff spot. What what would make you do that? Yeah, I mean, currently in a playoff spot, I like 
playoffs in in any fantasy sport and really in any anything the playoffs are so random and noisy that i don't think anything like my goal in those kinds of leagues is just get in because once you get in like a pitcher goes on a hot streak or has the right matchups or a hitter just goes off for a week or the other team's got a couple injuries or something like weird things happen right and and so Uh, To me, like that's the goal. The goal is to get in and that once you're in, anything can happen. And so I I can't imagine being in that situation. Now, I do know people who, you know, there's sort of a, if you you ain't first, you're last mentality in some cases. And like, I know in League One, the original Auto New League, there's one manager who I know will basically back off buying as soon as he doesn't think he can win. He's always been that way. And that's a league like we have a a financial incentive in that league that goes to the top four teams. So that's so you could finish fourth. It's just his his mindset on this is that like he's not in it for the money. He wants to win championships. And anything that he doesn't feel gets him closer to a championship is not like just doesn't make sense for him. Okay. And I get that. I totally get that. And like, you know, if you think about it, like that is how every team should be run, right? Is that if you're not, you know, if you think about like how a major league organization should be run, anything that doesn't get you closer to a championship is moving you the wrong direction and you should, you shouldn't be doing it. The thing is that for a major league team, getting in the playoffs is the thing that gets you closer to a championship. And so getting in as the, you know, the third wild card this year is worth doing because there's nothing you can do. Like if you're Baltimore right now, like there's nothing you can do as Baltimore right now that will get you closer to a championship in the future than finding a way to squeak in to the playoffs this year, because squeaking into the playoffs this year will do more for you than any trade you're going to make in terms of future value. So that that isn't true in a Roto league, right? And league one is a Roto league. And you hit a point in the season where like you might be fifth and have a shot at top three, but have no shot to win. And at that point, you could sell and get yourself ready for next year and get yourself closer to a championship. So I I get it. It isn't how I it's not how I do things in that league. In that league, I I like to finish near the top consistently and try to find ways to win championships in between finishing top four to five consistently. But I get why that happens. But in a playoff league. So like in our in our listener league, I don't know, listener league two, listener league one, I don't remember which is which, but our head-to-head listener league, I am, I believe, in seventh right now. This is the one that you and I do not share a team. And this is a head-to-head categories. And I'm pulling up the standings right now. I am 81, 81, and eight, exactly 500. The teams ahead of me, the team ahead of me is Kings of IR. They are 80, 78, and 12. They are one game ahead of me. And so I am I, I am right there. Like I am right there. And I am going to do what I can to get in. Now, am I likely to win the championship? No, you're freaking running away with this thing. You're 17 and a half games ahead oh, of God. anybody else. Don't you are dominating, <laughs> dominating this league. But let's think. There's almost no chance for you to finish anywhere other than first in the regular season. There's almost no chance of it. But 
I don't care because the, the, that's not what matters. What matters is who wins in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, lots can happen. And like, I will take my shot that if I can get in, I can get myself over the top. Now, I am not quite sure what kind of trades I can make. I just updated the trade block in that league. This league, like, we have those minor league spots here. I've got Miguel Vargas, Marco Luciano, and Nick Lodolo. I could trade any of those guys. I, I was going through that roster today, and I have, I think we keep eight or nine. I can't remember the number. I have a total of 11 players I've acquired as free agents. So forget guys I drafted who might have value. And out of that group of guys I can keep for a last round, or if I keep a bunch of them, you know, close to last round picks, I've got Andres Jimenez, Edward Cabrera, who looked good again today, Scott Barlow, who as long as he's a closer is well worth a last round pick, Taylor Ward, Trent Grisham, who's been better lately, although, you know, we'll see. Tyler Molly, who could turn things around. Seth Brown, who I like. Lars Newbar. And then I've got a bunch of guys who are like late-ish round picks that I think are are interesting. I got a, a 21st round price on Brandon Belt. I've got a 17th round price on Aaron Ashby. A 16th round price on David Bednar. A 19th round price on Alec Thomas. So I've got, I've got guys I could keep. And I could trade some of them because I think I have more than enough guys to keep. And so I am... I am you know, listeners, you are in our listener league. If <laughs> So <laughs> just know that I am, I don't even know what our deadline is. I better check what our trade deadline is, but I am, I am open to making trades in that league to try to buy the pieces I need to put myself over the top. I also, the team in third place right now just lost Tim Anderson for a while. And I made him an offer with Marcus Simeon because I'm pretty deep in middle infield in that league. And so I offered him Simeon for some pitching. He turned it down. I think it was a mistake on his part, but I'm biased because I wanted to make the trade. So, <laughs> But, you know, I'll still keep poking at him because he needs a middle infielder. And I don't know that there's a lot of other ones out there. We'll see what, what comes back. But And he's got enough pitching. I mean, his, his pitching is pretty good. He's got Woodruff and Rodon and Burns, McKenzie, Martin Perez, Alex Cobb, Detmers, Haney, Merrill Kelly. Like he's just... And That's he's loaded. got Dustin May coming back and Hunter Green eventually coming back. I'm going to have to follow up with him because he's going to have to like, I offered him a two for one trade. I offered him, I asked for Detmers and Mc, Tristan McKenzie for Marcus Simeon. And he's got to clear a space for Dustin May in a week anyways. I don't know. I think he should have made that trade, but I don't also don't know what else he's got going on or what other talks he's had. He may have, he may have a line on a middle infielder that's better. So but let's take a quick break and then we'll get back into some more trade deadline discussion. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right 
Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. So welcome back. I said before when we were talking about that Machado for Hall and Vargas deal that you and I made another trade. This is in League 13. It is a Fangraphs staff league. So it's almost all Fangraphs writers, although there are some some pitcherless folks in there. You're in there. <laughs> Justin Dunbar's in there. I'm in there. I'm from Pitcherless, but I'm also from Fangraphs. So I'm I'm the bridge. Oh, Carlos Marcano. Oh, that's so right. Carlos the, joined. Yes. Yeah, he joined late. But there, so anyways, point is, it's a good league. Everyone in there is a fantasy writer of some semblance and or podcaster. Not everyone's a writer. I should be I should be equal opportunity in my <laughs> claiming of where people do stuff. But I write once in that a year. League, <laughs> in that league, I co-manage with Niv Shah, the creator of Auto New. We were fighting to stay in OPL for most of this season, and it, it didn't work. We didn't make the playoffs in OPL. But we put ourselves a little bit behind the eight ball and now we're trying to climb back and we, we, we climb back into a playoff spot. And now we're trying to set ourselves up for the playoffs. And we really reached out to you because we needed third base help and we needed pitching. This was such a strange conversation to me because I was like, oh, I'm sort of a in J.D. Davis. He's one dollar. Maybe you just sort of toss him to me. This came up because of the conversations we had on this podcast last week. <laughs> and then we had been talking about Gallon and Clevenger and, and like. You had offered us a trade of Gallon and Clevenger for George Kirby, which we then declined. And we were just trying to like figure out what to do. And so we're talking about Clevenger and J.D. Davis. And all of a sudden, you came back with this offer that was like, what if we just included a $52 Mookie Betts? And we were like, <laughs> we don't really need a $52 Mookie Betts, but like, you're trying to compete. You don't turn down that Mookie. So the, the deal ended up being, you gave us $52 Mookie, $16 Mike Clevenger, and a $1 J.D. Davis for our $7 Cabrian Hayes, $5 Alex Karoloff, and an $8 Jared Kelnick. So <laughs> I, this is, so let me, I'll start with, with our side of this, which is we needed to get more pitching, which we got. We needed to improve our third base depth, which we sort of did. I really thought, so what, what I thought was perfect for us here was Davis is now teammates with Evan Longoria, who we also have. And I was like, this is great because this way we'll have a third baseman in every day because those two guys are going to share that job. Then when Longoria came back from the IL, his like second, he played and Davis sat. And then like his second game back, they both sat. And I was like, what, what is going on? Why would they do that? Or who? But <laughs> I don't even remember. Let's take a look at they're the, the land of a thousand lineups. infielders. So, well, and now I'm actually a little bit concerned because Longoria and Davis are both righties and they love to platoon. And so it is entirely possible. Like it was on Tuesday, they started Tommy Listella at third base and had Lamont Wade at DH belt at first. And then Today, no, not today, because they didn't play today. Yesterday, they had Longoria at DH and Davis at third base. That was the same lineup they used the last time they faced a lefty on Monday. On Sunday, they faced a righty and Davis was at third base. So I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. And if if their platooning is that Longoria and Davis are both the small side of the platoon, then this trade is not solving third base for us. 
And we are going to be in a bad situation at third base because our only other third baseman on our roster is Isaac Paredes, who's been solid, although he's been colder lately. But he's also on a team that platoons heavily and is also a right-hander. And so maybe I do need to talk to you about your your Bregman because this is not working the way we thought it would. But we do have Mookie Betts slotted into our lineup every day, which is quite nice. Yeah, I hear that's a good thing. But yeah. um, I was actually I was, so I was listening to Rates and Barrels today with Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper through the Athletic, and they actually were talking about JD Davis. And Eno is basically saying he thinks that this is like an audition for JD Davis to be the everyday third baseman for the Giants next year. So if he's right, and his premise was basically like you know Longoria has a club option for sixteen million dollars, and even if he's a two win player, and you know eight million for a win kind of makes sense. You're you're not going to get any extra value out of that, right? You're, you're paying for an older player, so might as well just just invest in J.D. Davis. And if this is like, hey, we're out of it, which I think the Giants have definitely realized based on their moves at the deadline, then, or lack thereof, I should say, then why not yeah. J.D. Davis, you know, be their, their everyday third baseman going forward? He's homered three times in six games. Like, I feel like everything's coming together for you here, so I, <laughs> I wouldn't be worried about it. My perspective on this trade was, I've been kicking around the idea of keeping Mookie for a long time, and I kept him obviously going into this season because I really wanted to compete. But, you know, Jack Flaherty and a few other guys had had other plans. <laughs> Regardless, what plans at, to not pitch. <laughs> yes, essentially. But a $52 Mookie going to be 54. Who knows? Maybe he gets a buck or two in arbitration because he still is Mookie bets. All of a sudden just becomes really expensive for, you know, a guy on the wrong side of 30 who's having hip problems. And so for me, like, He's my best player. Well, he's not even my best player because I also have Trey Turner, but like he's awesome, but he probably wasn't going to be a keeper. I, I'm still taking this team over, right? I took this team over to start last year and I was in the auction and everything. So it's been my team for two years now, but I kept too many players from the previous manager going into you, last you year's You were auction. taking over. So last year, you were not only taking over the team for the first time, but you had never played auto new. Yeah. Right. And you, I, were, you were learning from ground zero. For, from keeper cut <laughs> so like <laughs> i i really wanted to make this team my own and a 50 plus dollar mookie hanging around on the roster just it felt like it wasn't the case and once you made the seven dollar key brian hayes because i've been looking at your roster over the course of the year and, and the seven dollar hayes and the seven dollar kirby more more the kirby but understandably you're more hesitant we're ultimately my targets third base obviously such a tough position to fill this year he was ultimately one of my two targets. And so once you made him available, it made it pretty easy for me to pass with Mookie because I'm finally, I don't want to say finally, like I get it, but I'm really accepting that trades that look egregious on paper in Ot new are not like of the six players in this trade. If I, if I rostered all six of them, there's a chance. The only one I keep for next year is Kip Ryan Hayes. So like if you just boil it down to that, the trade makes sense. And I'm not, I'm not competing. I mean, I'm blowing out my opponent so far this week, but there, there wasn't a way for me to come back. I mentioned earlier, I traded for Juan Yepes. That was a, oh my God, I already forgot it. I am so sorry to the listeners, but I've been selling otherwise. I traded DJ LeMayhew for Tristan Cassis. I've made quite a few moves in this league to, to try and blow it up. A $30 Darvish and a $14 Mancini for an $8 Corbin Carroll and a $4 Brian Bayo. So the... That made this even easier, right? I had already committed to selling. So why would I commit to selling and then sit on a $52 Mookie bets? It really didn't make any sense. No, it was the, I mean, it made sense for you to move bets. I think the, the the question would be, could you have gotten more for him than, I mean, my perspective on what you got back is 
you got a you got Cabrian Hayes, who I think is a solid third baseman with breakout potential. There is still a next level that he could reach, but even if he doesn't, he's a decent option for you. And you got a cheap Alex Kirilov, who was hitting better when he came back from his injury before he got hurt again and now has to be out. And it seems like his wrist was never really right. So the fact that he was hitting better, despite the fact that his wrist really wasn't right, I'm very intrigued by him next year. He will be a target for me in drafts next year, for sure. You also got an $8 Kelnick who, I don't know, I have a $9 Kelnick in one of my leagues. I'm going to cut him the next time I need a spot because like, I, I'm i not keeping him at 11. So, you know, when we made this trade, I mean, it seems silly, but we made this trade like a week ago. A week ago, my outlook on Kelnick was very different. A week ago, he had been killing it in AAA. He was just getting called up. He hit a home run the day before we made this trade. So it was like, turned around a season in AAA, came up, hit a home run. And then since then, I mean, my goodness, he's been just awful. I mean, he has a negative 36. I think it's negative 36. A negative 36 WRC plus since he got called up. Like that is, that is hard to do. How do he you got mean? called up on, I don't know. He got called up on July 31st. So he had been doing better, like I said, in AAA. He got called up on the 31st. He went 0 for 9 with 1, 2, 3, 4 strikeouts in the first three games. Then he had a game where he homered. And then he pinch hit and did nothing. But then he had a game where he had a a hit and a run. So he went through this two-game stretch where it was like, okay, He's starting to show things again. Like, this is a good sign. And since then, he's 0 for 10 with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 strikeouts. 0 for 10 with 5 strikeouts. Since he came back up, he has a 40.7% strikeout rate. He has not walked. He has not walked once in 27 plate appearances since coming back up. Like, it's been awful. He's been, and, and so I think for me, like, when we made this trade, Niv and I weren't sure we wanted to trade Kelnick. And now I feel like he's a cut because it just was this like, okay, this is it. This is his shot to show he turned it around. And instead, he not only did like not only did he not show he turned it around, he was bad enough that the they sent him back down today. And so like he's lost. I he's lost. And, and I don't know I don't know what the path is for him getting it back at this point because like he's gonna go down to triple A and like, what's he gonna do? What's he going to prove at AAA at this point? And so my hope is, like, just as a as a baseball fan and as a as a guy who lives in Seattle and therefore wants the Mariners to do well, even though I'm not a Mariners fan per se. Like, my hope is that he has some very specific things they want him working on, and that they're aligned on what those things are. Because, I, yeah, I just. I don't know if he goes and he hits a triple a now, like why would I care? He's been hitting a triple a. So yeah, I don't think that piece of the deal is going to end up working out for you. (laughs) No. Yeah. I I knew trading for him at $8, meaning he's going to be 10 next year that like he, he would have really had to have 
shown more than just signs in this this oh yeah final stretch of the season to be a keep anyway and you brought up the Kirilov and and you know I've been a fan of Kirilov for a while I mean he's a former top 10 prospect who the surgery is weird they're like shrinking a bone in his wrist I don't I don't know what that's all about but like I'm gonna have time with like a, with like a shrink ray do they have a shrink ray or a chisel? I, I, I maybe they do. The twins they have a shrink ray. <laughs> or a chisel. They either have a super futuristic <laughs> modern shrink ray, or it's like Michelangelo in there with his chisel, carving carving a bone into the shape of David to make it <laughs> more useful, like something like that. <laughs> but well, I, whatever I they're doing to him, the I, I'll have. I'll have time to like see how has it's obviously not I'm not going to see any games, but we'll have time to hear how he's rehabbing, how he's doing with the surgery. And at five dollars going to be seven. I feel like that's for a player with his upside. That actually is a keep. So if I'm getting two keepers out of this and maybe I could have got more, but these other teams had their chance. I, I had him on my deadline or I had him on my block, I should say, for a while. Um and at, like at the end of the day, I, like I had one manager say he would have given me a lot more than what you gave. And I, I'm not going to say the players on his roster to blow up his spot, but I was looking at his roster and like, I know you're not going to part with some of these, some of these guys. And then looking at the ones that most likely would have been offered. I don't know. I think I still kind of prefer Hayes. I think, I think Brian Hayes is kind of being forgotten about this season because the guy can't figure out his launch yeah. angle. But if he ever does, like he's, a he's going to be a stud. So I'm okay but, with the hall. And I would point out like, so Karoloff, right? He was injured earlier in the year, right? He he played a few games in April, then he was hurt. Then he played a few games in May, then he was hurt. Then he came back on June 17th. And from June 17th to July 24th, and this is a little bit of an arbitrary end point there with the 24th. I'll explain why in a moment. But June 17th through July 24th, he, he was basically a regular player, as you'd expect him to be. He put up a 301, 339, 456 triple slash he hit three home runs which isn't a ton but in 112 plate appearances that's that's close to a 20 home run pace and was apparently doing that with a bum wrist right because his wrist was still bothering him now the reason i called out the 24th is he came out of the all-star break right they had the all-star break on the 18th 19th 20th whatever it was he came out of the all-star break played on the 23rd and 24th on the 25th the twins were off after that right so he he gets his off day not because he's getting off day because the team is off he plays again on the 26th and 27th he doesn't play on the 28th he plays on 29th and 30th he doesn't play on the 31st he plays five more games and in those five games goes 0 for 12 with four strikeouts no walks and then determines he needs to have this season ending wrist surgery so I don't know what he tweaked, how he tweaked it, what happened, but there's this very clear demarcation in his production where, because like on the, the 24th, the 23rd and 24th, those last two games he played in the set that he was playing well, he went three for nine, scored a couple runs, drove in a run. Like he was doing just fine. Then all of a sudden wasn't and needed this wrist surgery. But the one stretch of the season where he was semi-healthy, he, he hit. And so I, I really like Kirilov. And like I said, I, I think he's going to be a super interesting trade target next or draft target next year because I think everyone's going to be like, oh, he can't stay healthy. He was not good this year. Like his overall line this year is bad. But I I don't know. I think I'm going to buy in again. I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested. So I like that piece of this for you. 
and if the reports are that he like looks good, he feels great, he's hitting the ball hard and all that stuff in the auction, if I let him go back into the auction, he's going to go for more than $7. So oh yeah, for sure. He's going to be a guy to really, really closely monitor in the offseason. Yeah. So we are we're pushing the hour mark. And we've got a few more trades we could talk about here, but I think there's some some sort of general advice, feedback, thoughts, stuff we're looking at that that we should talk about. Let's start with this. You had a question for me in 4x4. You're new to 4x4 this year, right? This is your first year playing 4x4. Yep. And you are asking about Edwin Diaz, who you have at... You have him, right? I do. At $13. And you're asking what to do with him. It's an interesting one. I personally don't like paying for relievers in 4x4. Saves and holds don't matter. And there are, it feels like every year there are just relievers floating around that you can get cheap who put up good ERA, good whip, get strikeouts, and don't give up home runs. Like, now, they're not reliable, which can be a concern. But like, you know, my my bullpen in that league I have a $1 Yimmy Garcia, who's been fine. I have a $1 Joe Jimenez, who's been great. I've got a $1 or $3 Trevor Steffen, who's been very good. I've got a $1 Nick Sandlin, who's been excellent. Like, it's just, you you can find relievers. Now, not one of those guys is doing anything like what Edwin Diaz is doing. And not one of them is nearly as reliable as Edwin Diaz. So, I... I wouldn't keep Edwin Diaz. My goal in a four by four league is to build a pitching staff without any pitchers over $10. And maybe, maybe with one or two, if I sort of have to like in league one, which is my, my standing four by four league, I have one pitcher at greater than $10. I have a $10 Pablo Lopez. And then I have a $23 Kevin Gaussman. Gaussman was arbitration. That's what got him up to that $23 was the ARB allocations. And I felt like, like I tried to trade him in the off season. I couldn't find a good trade for him. And I was like, well, I'm not cutting him. That's crazy. Like I'm not cutting a 23. So I kept him, but like that is not my MO. And in that league, if I go into, if I look at this off season, I'm going to have a $25 Gaussman who I will be shopping. I will have a $12 Pablo Lopez who I will be shopping. I will have an $11 Frankie Montas and $11 Carlos Rodon who I'm, I'll see what I do there. I'll have a $9 Framber Valdez who I'll keep, a, a, an $8 Carlos Carrasco, a $7 Reed Detmers, a $7 Merrill Kelly, a four, a $6 Garrett, Garrett Whitlock, who I'm hoping is a starter next year. I've got Braxton Garrett cheap. I've got Jose. But like, I will be looking to build a cheap rotation there again. And that's what I'd be doing. That's what I'm always doing in 4x4. And so from that perspective, for me and the way I build my teams in 4x4, Edwin Diaz is not a player I would want to keep. However, I think he is probably valuable at that price and worth keeping. If it were me, I would be shopping him now. If I didn't shop him now or didn't find something I like now, I would shop him in the off season. But my guess is that something like 75% of four by four players would be happy to keep him. And I'm just in the minority. Yeah, see, that's that's the trouble. I'm having because I typically have that same philosophy when it when it comes to relievers in general. I'm usually not the guy to have the one of those top three closers off the board. You know, we saw it a lot this year where Josh Hader and Liam Hendricks were going. It, it, they 
I think in some leagues ended up going in the first round of drafts and obviously in auctions, they were going for a lot of money. And yet here I sit with this Edwin Diaz who is putting forward like a Cy Young caliber season and like $13 is expensive for a reliever. But like you said, not really one like Edwin Diaz. It just seems like the perfect time to trade him. But the problem I'm having is nobody's nobody's buying. Like it, that's not entirely true because Listen, I we have talked about in this league, right? We talked about this league. The first place team is running away with it. The right. second th- there's two teams right now tied for second. One of them is me where I was just saying, I don't know if I, if I should be buying or not. The other, we had a manager have to leave and get replaced. And so the set, like there are two teams tied for second, one of which is me. And the other is a new manager who just took over his team this week. And then the third place team is 12 points behind second. Like they're yeah. out of it. They're, they're not even going to catch up to second let, or to third, second and third, let alone catching up to first. So like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I need pitching, but I'm not super inclined to trade for Edwin Diaz. A reliever anyway, right? Right. Uh, well, I mean, if I mean, you're not like, going to trade for Diaz, you're not going to trade for another reliever. No, no, right. If, I, if I'm not right. There, yeah. So like where, where, I'm, where I would possibly trade for a reliever would be like, I think I'm trying to remember. So Hater has been terrible lately and I'm that I've got issues with him, but like he's $19 in this league. If Hater were pitching the way he should be pitching, Hater is the kind of guy I would trade for because I would offer up just something a random one dollar guy with some upside like i'm not trading a top prospect i'm not trading like a super great player like look at my roster and like i don't know maybe i would maybe i would trade like a one dollar cody morris for him maybe i would trade i have a one dollar trevor larnock i have a one dollar matt carpenter so to be fair like yeah these are these are I received maybe one or two offers for Diaz and these are like the exact offers I've received, but like I I can see where you're going with this, but like a $19 hater, I think that's a cut no matter what. I'm not sure a $13 Edwin Diaz is a cut. So like, I'm not ready to just give him up just for something I'm going to keep. And that's what I'm saying. If I'm making a trade for a reliever in a four by four league, Mm -hmm. I am finding the guy who is a cut. Not might be a cut, not a borderline cut, not I'm still deciding. I'm finding the guy who is like, yeah, this guy's having a good season, but I'm not paying $21 for a four by four reliever. And then I'm trading for him. Now, I'm not going to trade for Hater because he's been <laughs> not good lately. And so like, I don't, I don't trust him. And that's just sort of where it is. But like, that is, that is what I would give up. Like, if you came to me and were like, all right, fine, I'll take one of those random dudes for for Diaz, I would do it because why not? There's very little cost to it and it's not going to hurt me and fine. But yeah, I mean, no, there's a $16 Liam Hendricks in this league. I could maybe see trading for a $16 Liam Hendricks. Then there's the $13 Diaz and a $12 Emmanuel Classe. Maybe Classe is easier to get, although he's on the first place team, so he's not going anywhere. There's a $10 Rizal Iglesias. Like any of those guys who their their manager is like, yeah, definitely cutting them. I, I could see going for them. And so that actually is like, generally speaking, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with this in my CBS league where saves are a category where our, our trade deadline is in a week. I started the season with uh, Taylor Rogers. I had some other closers, but they weren't good. I can't remember who. I made a big trade early in the year to get Class A and Hater. Hater's now been terrible, but I'm I can't really move on from him. Class A has been great. 
I still have Rodgers. I also have Tanner Houck, who's now on the IL. There's a there's a team in last place that has a $15 Kenley Jansen. To me, Jansen, not a keeper. He probably won't. Like, he doesn't have a job for next year, most likely, as, as we talked about last week. And so I'm happy to trade for him. He is not biting on, like, he's asking for too much. Actually, what he's asking for is Cabrian Hayes. I have a $5 Cabrian Hayes, and he wants Hayes for Jansen. I'm, I'm just not yeah, going to do it. much, yeah. But I'm playing a little bit of a game of chicken, I think, because he's got a week, or he's going to get nothing for Jansen. If he gets nothing for Jansen, I think there's a chance he drops him in order to pick up something potentially keepable, and then I can pick him up. Although I'd have to outbid people, blah, blah. But like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. He's got to do something, I think. And I, but I need closers there. And that's, you know, in that league, I'm going to be doing exactly what we just talked about, which is I'm going to the teams that are not contending. I am finding the relievers they have that are definitively not keepers. And I'm just trying to get them cheap. There's a guy in the league with a $4 Tanner Scott. I may make him an offer for a $4 Tanner Scott. I don't think he's a keeper. I don't think you'd you'd expect him to be a closer next year. He may not even be a closer the rest of this year, but he's getting all the saves for Miami. So maybe, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff that I'm doing though with relievers. And so from that perspective, I would be shopping Diaz. I would be continuing to shop him through the off season. My my guess is you're not going to do much better than what it sounds like you're doing right now though. Yeah, I don't think I could have made him any more available than I have and, and made it known. So if you're listening, listeners in the listener league and you have interest in Diaz, please send offers away. But clearly, I'm I'm not going to give him up for just anything because I do kind of view him as a keeper. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the players we're trying to target. And you are we're in different positions. It sounds like this year. It sounds like you're doing a lot of selling. I'm doing a lot of buying. So when you're selling what are you trying to target as the returns for that? Yeah, so I mean, it, there's two things at play here, right? There's guys I'm targeting on free agency, and then there's guys I'm trading for. I've traded for multiple shares of Miguel Vargas. I've traded for Tristan Cassis in two leagues. Basically, I'm looking for guys in AAA who are going to have everyday jobs next year. Like Justin Turner is out at the end of the year. Miguel Vargas is going to be the everyday third baseman for the best team in baseball. That excites me. Top prospect. We think. Going to target him. He will be. He will be. I know it. Tristan Cassis is not blocked by Eric Hosmer, and the Red Sox are just an entire giant walking disaster. So he'll, he he will be up opening day. He'll probably be up in September. So guys like that, some other guys that come to mind, Brett Beatty in the Mets system just got promoted to AAA. He's been great, uh, and I expect him to be their third baseman next year. They're, they've had a conglomerate of Luis Guillerme and... Eduardo Escobar. It just hasn't worked out. I think he's clearly on his way. Ken Waldachuk, who we've talked about in the past, has certainly been a target of mine. I don't think I've actually been able to get him anywhere, but I know I started a few auctions for him, especially pitching in Oakland, like we talked about, excites me. And then one other name is Anthony Volpe, but maybe the more interesting one for now, and, and like the immediate, like what I'm looking for is Oswald Peraza. Um, maybe there's a chance both of them are starting for the Yankees next year if they find a way to move Glaber, but Peraza is like right on the cusp. Boone basically said that he's like next in line to get the call. But then Matt Carpenter broke his foot and they called it Miguel and Duhar. So who knows what to believe, but Oswald Peraza is clearly on his way. He has been on fire in, uh, at triple a 
Not that he's a better prospect than Anthony Volpe. I'd take either because I think they're that close. And that's my point, right, Chad? Like we talked about this when I first started getting into Ott New that like prospects are cool and they're fun. But there's a reason why like a talent as good as Jordan Lawler, who you talked about earlier, is a free agent all over the place because you don't want to wait that long. And, and it taking up a roster spot and with inflation and everything else, like correct me if I'm wrong, he would still go up a dollar next year, right? If you if you roster Jordan Lawler. Yeah, if he did, I mean, in the situation where I traded him, he's on the minor league, like it's that minor league roster set up. And so he's, it's a, it's a different scenario because he's free there and you can okay. stash him forever. So that's a, that's a different situation, but yes, in general, like if you had a $1 Jordan Lawler on your team, he will be a $2 Lawler next year, and then he'll be a $3 Lawler the next year. And then he'll be a $5 Lawler when he finally plays. <laughs> yep. And if he struggles like every other prospect and you hold on to him, now he's a $7 Lawler and you don't know what you have. And so like I, the guys that are far yeah. away, not a lot of interest. But if you're right in the cusp, there's a reason why I traded for an $8 Corbin Carroll, right? Like that's that's so that's one of the most expensive prospects I've seen in my you know year and a half of playing odd new. But he's the top prospect in baseball. I was a seller. I wasn't going to keep the two players that I traded in an expensive, relatively expensive Mancini and a very expensive U Darvish. So it just felt like it made sense. But if you're not in AAA, and or if there's even like a good chance you're not starting with the major league club in 2023, then I, I am not really interested. I want to I want to compete. I, it, it hurts to sell. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think to to that extent, the other thing I'm doing if I'm if I'm selling, and actually I'm, I'm doing this in all my leagues regardless, but. I'm out there right now buying guys off the free agent wire like Seth Brown, who's been killing the ball lately, Peyton Burdick, who's getting a look, JJ Blade, Vaughn Grissom, like all these guys who've been called up recently or getting their first looks that like have some pedigree and if they break out could end up as starters next year. Like Burdick and Blade are auditioning right now for next season. That that's what they're doing. Vaughn Grissom, I think less so, but there has been some speculation that one of the things Grissom is doing up right now is he's going to be up for three weeks while they wait for Albies to come back. Then when Albies comes back, he'll go back down. But if he plays well, they may let Dansby Swanson walk and, and have Grissom be their, their shortstop. So like those kind of guys, like, yes, trade for them. Trade for Cassis, trade for Beatty, trade for Vargas. Those guys are not free agents. You're going to have to go get them via trade. But look at the free agents and see who's out there. And like, you know, is is Peyton Burdick as exciting as Corbin Carroll or Tristan Cassis? No, he is not. But he's free. And you can just go pick him up for whatever scraps you want to get rid of from your roster. So I, I like that. In terms of guys I'm targeting as a buyer, I am looking for, I'm just looking for guys who are overpaid, right? I want to find the guys who the other team is going to cut. In some cases, that's just a guy who's way overpriced. Like I just traded O'Neill Cruz and George Valera to get a $76 Juan Soto. Like Soto is not having a disappointing season. He's a great player. He's going to, I think he's going to kill the ball down the stretch. Just 76 is just too much for him in a four by four league. But then there's guys like Marcus Simeon, Alex Bregman, Ronald Lacuna Jr. To a lesser extent, Shane Bieber, because he's been really good, but hasn't been sort of his elite self and still has these velo issues. But like guys who, for a variety of reasons, haven't been worth what they were paid for in the offseason. And they're still good, right? And like, you know, is is Simeon the best middle infield upgrade you can get? No, but his manager is almost assuredly disappointed, not planning on keeping him and willing to make a deal. Like like me with Mookie, right? 
I mean, like, like that's an Mookie, extreme yeah. example. Mookie's obviously been better than most of the guys mentioned, but like if I'm yeah. not, if they're not keeping them, <laughs> you know, it go get them. Right. That, and that's the thing is, is, you know, we're used to like going out and finding the guys who are exciting and all like when you're buying, don't worry about finding the guys who are exciting. Find the guys who are disappointing. Find the guys who their manager might be frustrated. Find the guys who might have a hip issue that might cause their manager to be like, man, a $54 Mookie could be worth it, but he also could be injured half of next season. Like, go find those guys and buy them. That's Those are the kind of guys I'm targeting. I'm also looking for small upgrades like, like trading you to get J.D. Davis, right? Just like I needed a third baseman who was hitting. This was an opportunity to get a third baseman who was hitting. So those are the kinds of guys I'm looking for when I'm when I'm buying in trades. So I think with that, we have probably covered everything we can cover on trades. This episode's gone on quite a while now, I think. So we still have a couple weeks before the auto new trade deadline. We'll probably come back and talk more about trades sometime in there. But this is sort of your your trade deadline preview, your chance to get some notes in and what we're thinking, what we're looking at, guys we're looking at ahead of the deadline. Go out, make your trades. If you've got questions, you want feedback on trades, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. You can also send us questions that we could we could cover in the show next week. Maybe we'll do a, a little bit of a, a trade mailbag at some point in the next couple of weeks because... I'm going to be busy making trades. I'm sure you are too. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. So thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week.